Welcome to C3 Church Tabra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Bill Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. wired to live in the 21st century, to be the church, to fulfill God's purpose, to stem the tide of darkness, but to release the kingdom of light, and you, my friend, have the capacity to do awesome stuff in God. And so that's what happened to us. We were, you know, we were going to church, Julie and I, and our family was a beautiful family, just like Michelle and your baby, we had three little babies at that time. We've got four now, but our kids have grown up. Julie is my number one daughter. She's about 28, 29. Andrew, my son-in-law. Let's do that again. Hang on. Well, the black guys do it so... No, no, no. Yeah. They reckon white men can't jump either. I don't know, but... And um, I got my number two daughter, Jessie. I don't know where she is. She's in the cafe. And I got another son-in-law. Let's, let's see. Her. Ah. Wow, that's the Ballina. That's the Ballina version. And I got my number three daughter, who's just come back from Africa, Jamie. And Garth is uh, celebrating with Mitch Hammond. He just got married yesterday. Mitch Hammond is a great young man who's stepping up into his calling. And he got married yesterday, and Garth was one of the groomsmen. And, uh, and Jamie's with him now down in uh, Hunter Valley, and they'll be here tonight. Garth is the executive pastor of the church, and uh, we've got some good stuff happening because of vision in Africa. We'll tease that out. So in Vision Builders, usually we talk about, and Gemma is, Gemma is, is yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good, man. That's Man, that's girl power right there. That's, wow, that's girl power. Yeah, that's pretty good, pretty solid. Pretty solid. And uh, Gemma's, Gemma's will be here tonight. But um, uh, can I just give you a grandfather? Not, I don't want to preach. Like, we've had some great spirited preaching. But can I do a sharing this morning? Yeah. Uh, like, vision is about coming to this period, like in about two weeks' time, where we say to you, are you in, you're out, you're committed financially, you know, you're here on purpose, did God send you here, and because of that, God's placing a demand on your time, your talent, your treasure? That's basically what church membership is. You know, anytime you think about joining any church, you should say, well, what's your vision? You know, well, what, what's the demand on me? You know, because I know if, you want, if you're smart enough, you know the church will place a demand on your time, your talent, and your treasure. And you should be saying, okay, if that's the case, uh, and look at this, and if that's the case, uh, what are you doing with that? You should be asking that. What are you doing with my time, my talent, my treasure? And we can explain that. We have articulated our vision. And by the way, it's not Sydney for Christ, but it is, but it's the central coast for Christ, amen? So as Tim Foote said, oh, did I finish the Tim Foote story? Tim Foote's business went on and... And now it's a most successful real estate agency, and Tim heads up the Vision Builders in Sydney. Great story, love the guy, and and uh, you know that's what basically the pastor wants you to be blessed. 
So, you know, in giving to God, why we encourage you to give is that you would give to God so that the supernatural kingdom of God would be loosed upon your life. That, that angels would come around you, God would protect you, and, and, and somehow, you know, it was like when I was on my bushwalk yesterday, and, you know, it's late in the evening, and I'm walking through, and it's muddy, and we come to this little gully, and the dog jumps over, and he lands in the water because it's too wide. But then we walk another 30 minutes. We get up to the hill. I pray up there, pray up there. I come back down. He comes back to that same bit of water, and now it's really getting dark. And he knows he doesn't get, want to get wet because if he goes home wet, he's going to have to sleep wet. He stands there, and, and I go, yeah, why not? So I pick the dog up and I go, one, two, because you know dogs can count, one, two, and I threw him across the gully, and like a cat, but he's a dog, and he lands on the other side. That's what happens with your finances when you give to God. Your finances go further. You know, the book of Haggai says, I put my money in pockets, like with holes in it. And you, you seemingly, your money doesn't last. Yeah. Uh, your money doesn't last. But when you give your tithe, the Bible says, the rest becomes holy. Yeah. You know, Jesus, every time he mentions money, it's, it's unrighteous mammon. But the Bible says, when you give your tithe, it becomes righteous. The Bible says, if you can't be faithful with unrighteous things, he can't give you righteous things. Amen? So when you give the tithe, it says in Deuteronomy, when you give your tithe, the rest becomes holy, meaning the hand of God becomes, comes on that 90%. Then you've got seed to sow, which is in division builders and any other worthy cause you see fit. So until you give your tithe, it's unrighteous mammon. Um, we, they used to call it, uh, well, they would call it filthy lucre because all the money is under the systems of the world. Amen? under the fallen systems of the world. So you get money, you give your tithe, it becomes holy. That's powerful. It becomes holy. It lasts. It becomes seed that you can sow into vision builders or any other worthy cause, and it will produce a 30, 60, 100-fold blessing. That's how come you get guys like Tim, Tim Foote who become multi-millionaires because of that whole principle. thought that would bless you. Amen? Is that good? I want to be a, put this, uh, get this under the, um, the grandfather seat. Uh, uh, could we put, uh, file it under the grandfather uh, sessions? Because I, I just want to explain the, the, how the church was birthed, the purpose behind our church, and, and personally, what happened to Julian and I, my family, in birthing the church. The church was not just a good idea, it was a God idea. The church was not just a good idea, but it was a God idea, you know, and, and that makes all the difference for the existence of the church. If the church is there because God wanted it there, it will be a blessed place. Let's check this out. A couple of scriptures, please bear with me. Is that cool? So it's called the, the blessed church. Say hi to the podcasters. Yeah. It's very important to see our lives from God's perspective. I spoke uh, last week, I think, about the church being blessed. Blessed 
meaning pronouncement of the favor of God upon an assembled congregation. Tyndale Bible Dictionary says that. Bless means pronouncement of the favor of God upon an assembled congregation, meaning the church assembled, not just gathered, but assembled together, pulling together, you know, helping each other. And it says this in the scripture of Ephesians 4.15, speaking the truth in love, may, may, may God grow up, may grow, What's, speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him, okay, who is the head, Christ, from him the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part, say every part, say every part, say every part, does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Meaning, the church is joined together by what each person supplies to each other. Every connection brings something to the church. We serve one another. In fact, as we serve each other, it brings connection, but this, but this attitude that we're in this together. The body is effective when every part does its share. I said that. Why does God want to bless the church? Because he loves us. Deuteronomy 23 verse 5 says, however, the Lord, now back this story up. This is a story of an evil king, Balak, who says to this prophet Balaam, Balaam, I want you to curse these people of Israel. Because I've seen them, the king says, because I've saw what, that, what happened through their lives to Egypt, meaning that God intervened and took the Egyptians out, I want you to curse these people of God. There's a couple of million of them. And he says, I want you to come up here to this mountain and look down upon these people. And as you do, I want you to curse these people. And actually, that bad king offered the prophet money to do it. And he didn't want to do it, but he succumbed. He said, all right, let's do it. And he went to one mountain. He looked down at God's people. And he said, I just can't do it. He said, well, let's look at it from another angle. And he goes up to this other mountain. And he looks down at God's people. And God gets to him, and because he is integral to God, the scripture goes like this, Deuteronomy 23 verse 5, and this is applicable to the church and to you, however, the Lord your God would not listen to Balaam, but turn the curse into a blessing for you, because the Lord your God loves you. He loves you. That's why he wants to bless you, Michelle. So Numbers 23 verse 18 says, Then he spoke his message, Arise, Balak, and listen, hear me, son of Zippor. God is not human that he should lie. So basically, Balaam is saying now, well, God cannot lie. Uh, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? Numbers 23, 20, I have received a command to bless. So Balaam, basically, as it says, I can't change this. God is not a liar. He's not like shifting sand. He's blessed it and nothing can be done about it. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? I have received a command to bless, in fact, Balaam says. He has blessed and I cannot change it. And I love this. Numbers 23, 21. The Lord his God is with them. The shout of the king is amongst them. Amen? 
Now, this is what I thought amazing. When Balaam looked down upon God's people, he saw the people assembled. Now, being assembled is what this church is. We are assembled together. When you assemble some kit from Ikea, Jilly, where's Jilly? She's the master of Ikea. If you need, she needs to start a business up. If you need something from Ikea set up, just phone Jilly up. She will charge you, but she will get it. To, she'll assemble it, put it together. Doesn't even look at the instructions and just puts it together intuitively. It's amazing. Amen. So that's what church should be about. Church is not separate parts and go, you know, all these different. We're a body. We're supposed to be a body, and we're supposed to be the body of Christ. Amen. And we're walking out the purposes and plans of God through our local region, and that's what we do in the high school, in the marketplace, over to Africa and surrounding areas. We're walking out the purposes and plans because we're united. My arm is not sitting over there. My leg is not over here. We're together. We're the body of Christ, and we walk out the purposes and plans with God. It's awesome. It's awesome thing. But when you're, when you're amputated, you're on ice, and we just got people sitting around, frozen, chosen, and, and, and it's not great, you know, it's, it's not great. You can't do anything. You can't move. You go to move. You go to Africa and go, whoa, what's happened? You know, my, my arm is stuck back there. But if we walk collectively out, and that's where real strong, powerful church is, when the church is assembled together. And the Bible says that's where the blessing is. That's where the blessing is. Anytime God moved miraculously and powerfully, in the book of Acts, they were all together in one heart, one mind, and God moved. It's a powerful thing. So it's not, a, it's not just a spectator sport. It's really you've been finding your family. You've got to find your family. Julia's trying to find her family, the part of the Aboriginal dynasty she belonged to, and she rang up this lady in Queensland, the Robinson family, and this Robinson family lady said, we're not your family. No, we're the pink um, Robinson family. You're after the other, uh, you know, we're not your family. If we're not your family, man, just, you know, find your family, find your church. That's your challenge. But when Balaam looked down, this is what he saw. When Balaam looked down, this is what he saw, God's people, this is how they were gathered. See how it's, you've got to get God's perspective of your life. You've got to get God's perspective of your life. We've got to get God's perspective. When he looked down, this and in the middle is the Levi tribe, and that's the tent of meeting. That's where all the meeting with God and all the worship is, and that's where, you know, the offerings are, are put down. And uh, that right in the middle is the Levi tribe. But all the other tribes are gathered according to the plan of God. And so when they were up on that mountain looking down, Balaam saw the cross thousands of years before Jesus went to the cross. Can you imagine that? Isn't that amazing? So if we look at our lives through our circumstances, we will get a distorted view of God. That's why this scripture is so important, that we get with Christ. As the Bible says, seated with Christ, Ephesians 2.4. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Say saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness in Christ Jesus. When you are seated in heavenly places and you look down upon your friend in Christ, 
You won't bitch about them. You won't criticize them. When you're down on the plains and you look at your friends and family in the carnality, with the carnality of sight, and you will bitch about them. You won't see Christ in them. But if you get up on high, seated with Christ in heavenly places, you go, oh, man, they're banged up. They're probably not even my type of person. But you know what? Christ has saved them. Christ loves them. Christ is awesome in their life. And you just speak blessing over them like Balaam says, man, look, I'd love to curse them. I'd love to speak about them. I'd love to criticize them. But all I can say is, my God, Christ has blessed them. Christ is for them. Christ has saved them. See how it's important to get up into heavenly realms. Not get down into here. Oh, look at them. Yeah, look at them. Yeah, forget them. You know, forget that stuff. Get up. Get up. Get up into heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Even the most difficult and bewildering, potentially discouraging times are then seen as vital aspects of God's purpose. This is when you get up into heavenly realms. Even that which you go through, all the discouraging stuff, all that crummy stuff that we go through you can then realize it's part of the journey. God's developing you. God's creating this intimate relationship with you. Even the, tra- even the, the, the worst things in life, somehow when you get into heavenly places and you look down upon yourself, look down and see what God's doing through you, we can see our lives then being encouraged, strengthened, motivated, and even at peace. So I've been doing this study of Abraham because he received great vision, and I thought, I need to study this guy. But I've been reading a great book too, The Power of Vision, The Principles and the Power of Vision by Miles, Dr. Miles Munro, Keys to Achieving Personal and Corporate Destiny. It's powerful stuff. You need vision. The Bible says without vision, you dwell carelessly. You know, even youth, they're just kicking around. They just can't see their worth in God. They just, you know, they don't even want to do anything because they just don't think they can do anything. But if you get into heavenly places and if you get the mind of Christ for your life and realize you're here on purpose and that you were sent here from eternity and your life matters for eternity, you go, man, things are not working out too good in the circumstance of life. But God is for me. This is huge. This is awesome. God's favored me. This is huge. This is awesome. God's opening doors supernaturally for me, this is awesome, and and you will give life a go, but if you look at the circumstance of life, no matter, no no matter, no wonder people give up, you know, I I don't look like him, I don't look like her, I don't have money, I don't live in a nice house, I haven't even got a car, and you know, don't do that, look at your life, pray, and say, God, what have you got for me, amen, don't look at your life through your circumstances, Get up on high and look down upon your life. It makes all the difference. With Abraham, I couldn't, just, just a couple of points I thought were amazing. We see his purposes and eternal, eternal in dimension. We see his purposes are eternal in dimension. He cre- created us not for just time, but for eternity. So you're not just here for time. You came from eternity. You're here for a time, but you're bound for eternity. And what you do here is important, and it does matter, but it's all about basically a schoolroom where God just allows you to be tested almost and challenged so that at the end of the day you can say, but God, he was for me. Yeah, I got banged up. I got some cheap shots. Man, it didn't work out so well here, but God favored me here and blessed me here, and I had all this happen. But you know what? At the end of the day, you know, God 
brilliantly saved me, and I am blessed for that. And if you are blessed, and I love what this um, thing, this little thing said in, in someone's Twitter, it says, if you are saved, if God is on the inside of you, tell your face that. Sometimes you've got to awaken yourself up. So his plans for us are seen as for good. We call it a future and a hope. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. We don't have to go there. He eternally chose us. I mean, from eternity, he chose us. He strategically called us and is shaping us for his eternal purposes. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 to 10. And so each of us are designed, and as we realize that we're designed for more than just time, but we're designed, if Abraham only knew that what he did, what he put in place, matters eventually to world peace and even more. What he did originally in responding to God and letting God shape him, it really matters for us who we are children of Abraham, his father Abraham, amen. He's the first one who responded like with that radical faith Cam has. Faith! That was Abraham. Faith! And responded to God and was then a recipient of this grand vision, this awesome vision to change or to really institute the, uh, the nation of Israel. And that nation was supposed to be a nation that was supposed to redeem lost society and all the wicked peoples on the earth through the nation of Israel because God had favored them. They were supposed to act in this redemptive lifestyle of reclaiming God's land and reclaiming God's people. But here we are through Christ. We are, we are still enacting that vision. Isn't it awesome? Abraham was a friend of God, by the way. So James 4.17, after Abraham received this great vision, he had a choice. After we received vision, after Phil and Julie received vision, we had a choice. And this is the admonishment. When you receive vision for your life, you can do this. James 4.17, if anyone then knows the good that they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. And we receive vision. We receive we, re, we, we divinely received a download from God to take this huge, humongous step to birth this church. Isaiah said it like this. Isaiah 14, 24 says, The Lord Almighty has sworn, surely as I have planned, so it will be. And as I have purposed, so it will happen. Once we realize God has spoken to us, once we get vision, I'm going to preach about this tonight. The first thing happens is that we get purpose. We realize we're born for a purpose. Second thing, there's a sense of urgency. We get vigilant. We get this posture of faith. We get busy doing for God. We get praying. We realize, man, this is now. God is moving now. The third thing is motivated. The love of Christ in uh, 2 Corinthians 5.14 says, the love of Christ compels us we are mo motivated to be the church. We are motivated to come to church. We are motivated to be at the prayer meetings. We are motivated by love to give and to do all this crazy stuff we do as Christians. We're motivated to go to Africa. We're motivated. It's lovely. It's an awesome thing to have motivation 
in your bones. Jeremiah says, like fire, shut up in my bones. Like fire, there's a message in me. There's hope in me. Like fire, shut up in my bones. I cannot contain myself. Is that a bit like you? The fourth thing, this eternal meaning, meaning that my life has a consequence for people's eternity. Ephesians 1.4 says it like this, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, in love. You've been chosen. You've been chosen before you were set down on this planet. You were created in eternity for a time, for, for a dispensation of, t- of time, but you have been chosen before you're even placed in your mother's womb. Ephesians 1.9, he made known to us He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he had purposed, there's that word, in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment. I believe those times are now. To bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth in Christ. Do you love love that whole theme about reconciliation, bringing people to their best life through Christ so that they can live a blessed life. In him, we were also chosen, Ephesians 1.11. In him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. What's the story of C3 Tugra? Can I, just give you, can I just give you a little bit what, what happened for us? And it's a personal story, but it, it's for, I, I guess it's for the people that have joined us and the people who are joining us and uh, to know that this church is not here just through a good idea, but this church is here because God spoke to us. So it did start in uh, the early 90s when God revived us and we were just living going to church, and we were just a nice Christian family. We had an encounter with God. That's the best way I can explain it. We had an encounter with God, and our heart become attuned to God. Our heart become attuned to God through a move of God that was hitting the planet back in the 90s. It was amazing. Our hearts became attuned to God. Our ears, the ability to hear God, became so pronounced, it was amazing. And it was a bit like this in Genesis 35, verse 1. And it was a bit like Jacob in that story. Then God said to Jacob, go up to Bethel and settle there and build an altar there to God. Bethel means house of God. It seemingly was like God was saying to Julie and Phil, I want you to build a church in Wyong, in and around Wyong. Eventually we did in 96, we birthed that church. The instruction was clear, it was definite, Some people couldn't see it, but it was real, and it was literally just like that. Get up, move, build a place of worship, build a house of God, and um, just remember that when you've got any major decisions, take it back to the Word of God. Take it back. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light to my path. We went back to the Word. We looked. We were in the Word trying to find God's will through his word. And that, in the end of the day, substantiated what God was trying to do through us. And it was to birth this church. Deuteronomy verse 11, the entire chapter contains, I guess, God's instructions for God's people to possess this land, 
to, to go forth and possess land. Now, I'm not talking about just physical land. I'm talking about all the promises that, that are before you. So when you look at these uh, physical terms in the Old Testament, you've got to do a New Testament, t- Testament uh, version on it and say, Lord, what land? It, it, it is land. It might be a house and stuff, but it's more like you, the fullness of your salvation. It's more like that broad land Jilly was talking about that we were singing. Not just a teeny little land of just, oh, God's just saying to you, oh, just here, just have that. No, your, your land is vast. Your land has a calling in it. Your land has a destiny in it. Your land has prosperity in it. Your land has children and a family, a great marriage. Your land has an awesome scope. And on the horizon of it, if you were to open your eyes and you are, it would blow your mind. And that's what church is all about. Church is about blowing your mind so your eyes can be opened to see what God has for you and your family. And that's what God did for Julie and I and our family. God blew our mind. And we could see that God wanted to do something through us that was just beyond the ability for us to even do. Deuteronomy 11:31 says, you're about to cross the Jordan to enter and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you. And when you have taken it over and are living there, these things started to speak to us and it wasn't just a good idea it was a God idea and it was all about this response to him out of purity and obedience like Abraham purity and obedience that's your story too when God gives you vision to be connected to a church it comes down to you your obedience your faith and your ability to say God this is where you've plonk me down. This is where you want me to be a member. This is where you want me to pull together with my brother and sister and do great exploits for Christ. That's what church is about. And that's where you see your church become, where your life becomes so much more than your individual self. If you isolate yourself, your life just is so limited, so minimal. But when you're connected with brothers and sisters, when you partnership with God and say, God, I'll be your church, I'll be the local church, I'll be your expression of life and hope, bang, your life gets optimized. Your life gets multiplied. But if you keep yourself separated from the church, it's not good. So it talks about purity and obedience. Deuteronomy 11:16 says it like this, be careful or you'll be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down to them. So then we looked at this story of Jacob, who famously slept under the stars, stone as a pillow, he had a dream, he saw heaven open up, angels ascending and descending between heaven and earth. Jacob had this full-blown encounter with God. He slept on this high mountain, and God gave him a vision of the, tw- of the church that we now have. Not just this church, but the church that is all over the earth. The church full of the Spirit, where angels are descending, miracles, provision, God moving in people's lives. That's what God's doing right here, right now. Genesis 28, 16 says, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. Some people are not even aware that God is in the church when they go to church. But isn't it a great day when when we hear people coming to our church and they go, surely God is in this place. I hope that they're aware of it. And we go, yeah, we're aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? 
This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. That's why we turn up in prayer meetings and we're praying, Lord, open the gate. Open the, open the gate of heaven. Pour out your glory into our church. When we meet Sundays, when we come into our gathering, Lord, into the assembling of us, Lord, we pray, God, that you'd pour out your spirit, that miracles would be given to people, that angels ascending and descending would deliver miracles to your people. That's our heart. That's why we're excited that when people come in here, they meet with God supernaturally. They encounter God. They encounter and experience the love of God. They encounter the love of God and their life will be changed forever. And so what do we expect in this atmosphere? It's an atmosphere of faith. No pessimism about the future. God is in control too. An atmosphere of vision. People see, their, see the invisible and do the impossible. Three, a church of building and growing through teams and leadership. 1 Corinthians 14, 12 says, So it is with you, since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. Ephesians 4, 15 says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every aspect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is, Christ. 16 says, From Him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I was in a play and it was called Wind and Fire. And we're at the Laycock Street Theatre. We're in the big church at Coast Life there back in, in, in the old days. And, um, and my job in this play, it was an awesome play. It was about the birth of the church, the book of Acts. And my job was to bash, you would have loved this, uh, this my, my job dressed as a policeman was to bash Jesus up and arrest him and uh, take him to the cross. It was a modern day contemporary version of, of, of the gospel. And um, it, it, we did about four, five, six um, nights. On one of these nights, unfortunately, when I grabbed Jesus, when I grabbed Paul Macklin, uh, one of our old friends, I don't know what happened, but at the end of the show, I realized my little finger had on the end just fallen over. You know, from the knuckle, it just fallen over. Something happened when I grabbed him, I snapped my tendon on this side. As I went to the hospital, I said, oh, excuse me, I think I got something. Said, what were you doing? I said, oh, I was bashing up Jesus. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, you're drunk. Another drunk one, sit over there. Yeah. See, the tendon allows this tendon, it's straightened up somewhat now, but this tendon, if it was working, it'd stand straight up. But that tendon is snapped. This tendon's still working really good. Now it's had to back off and allow that finger to stand up. So the Bible says that we are like those tendons, those ligaments. That when we come together, the skeleton of the body of Christ can actually stand up and apply itself to a fallen world. Otherwise, if you don't apply yourself as a ligament, as a tendon, as strength and as a contribution, you know, you get this, you ever seen footballers' hands? They're mangled. They've they got lots of those, actually. They've got lots of their fingers are like, you know, they never become piano players ever. <laughs> and you know, we don't want that. We want this fine posture in the life of the church because we are like supporting ligaments, grows and builds itself up. So, since 96, and like Brian Houston said, sometimes the fastest way you can go is the slow way, meaning be consistent in the outworking of one vision. We've always had one vision. 
Zechariah 4.10 says, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord, the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. And we've just believed there has been a shout of the Lord in the house since we started. There's been a shout of the Lord. We just felt the favor of God. And now we're beginning to grow. It's awesome. Growth is important for us. Genesis 1.28 says, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Jesus, the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, 14. He talks about taking that which you have received and investing it, investing your life, investing your finances, investing your talent, your skill, your ability. And that's why we're seeing so many young people serving the house of God and they're being blessed. By the way, what entrepreneur, what business owner expects to, you know, go to all the extent to, you know, set himself up in a great business doing all that sowing and hard work and persevering and not expect, you know, God to prosper that business. It's like a farmer. The farmer's the same. He buys the seed, he plants it, he nurtures it, he sweats over it. He is expecting, he is expecting growth and a bumper crop. Is that right? And so that's the same with our church. Your heart's got to be right in doing that. You're not doing it for numbers, but you're doing it because you just want to greatly affect the Central Coast for Jesus. Health is important. I could talk about Matthew 13, 3, and I won't, but talks about the heart that when the Word of God is planted in a good heart, it will produce righteousness. If your heart is hard, if your heart soil is not great, the Word of God goes in and it seemingly doesn't produce that great stuff in your life, the fruit of the Spirit. It's an increasing government. It's an increasing kingdom. Isaiah 9-7, of the greatness, the increase of his government, peace, there is no end. This is increasing. Local church worldwide is increasing. There are souls being saved every day. People of God getting saved, and it's awesome. Psalm 1, verse 3, the person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. You've got to write your vision down. We've written the vision down. Habakkuk 2.2. Go onto the website. Garth Ball, if he was here, he'd explain the vision to you. I'm actually sharing about the worth. Is this a good idea, this church? Or is it a God idea? God spoke to us. We heard. We ventured out by faith. God said, I'll back you up. You do what I'm called you to do and I'll back you up. You're partnering with me. You're not partnering with the, with, the, with the natural resources of life. You're partnering with me. And so the supernatural thing about our church, because we partner with God, is that he gave us 11 acres when we're about 30 or 40 people in this church. And then he said, yeah, that's a good idea. Be in a tent for five years on this land, and we did cold and shivering and hot and all the elements of life and we learned a lot that shelter was a privilege thing that shelter to be in shelter was a privilege that it didn't come easy that it wasn't because it was our right to have shelter and, and every time it rains and it blows and I just say thank God for a sturdy house thank God for a sturdy church See, God takes you by ways. You're going, why, God? Why are we in a tent? What's all this about? Haven't you got us a building? Our friends are down the road, and they're doing awesome. Trust me, I'm going to build something into your church that you'll be ever grateful for. 
And we are grateful for this building. We are grateful for this church. Shelter is a privilege. Just ask any third world person and they will tell you. And so we couldn't articulate all the vision God gave, gave to us. But people used to say this about us, Acts 4.13. And when they saw the courage of Phil and Julie, I mean Peter and John, and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men, that this church had been with Jesus. A bit like the story of Exodus, and I, I need to get this little part through because it's important, because I believe this message is for my grandchildren one day. Maybe they'll access the podcast one day and hear me back. It is like the story of Moses, Exodus 2.11. One day after Moses had grown up, he went and to where his own people were and watched them at their burdens. It was like Phil and Julia watching the burden of our, of our society and, and our community. We could see their burdens, their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. And of course, you know the story, Moses looking his way, looked that way and seeing no one. He killed the Egyptian and hid himself in the sand. That began, he, he ran away. But the point of the story is he saw an injustice. He was stirred to action. He couldn't allow it any longer. He was compelled by that frustration. Frustration is really what gives birth to vision. And that inward passion allowed him to just do what he had to do. So 40 years later, and the Lord said to him, he apprehended him in the backside of a desert. And he says, I have indeed, Moses. So this is Moses back in his face now, back in Phil and Julie's face, back in your face saying, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard, I have seen them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. Here is God is basically saying, I have heard, Moses, I have seen, and I want to do something about it. I want you to start a church. Bill Hybels calls it the, uh, he calls it the holy discontent. Psalm 39 verse 2 is a bit like this, and this is probably your story, where you feel the anguish of stuff you see in society, and you're anguished about it, third world or local, whatever. And so the Bible says in Psalm 39 verse 2, so I re remained utterly silent, not even saying anything good, but my anguish increased. Is this about your friend, your personal friend that goes out night clubbing and they're just wrecking themselves? Or is this about your mum and dad? Is this about your community? Is this about people out in, in the church even? In fact, so I remained utterly silent, not even saying anything. But my anguish increased. My heart grew hot within me. While I meditated, the fire burned. Then I spoke with my tongue. And of course, anytime a man or woman stands up and says, you know what, we need to do something about this. And you can see that in the life of Joseph. Gets a vision, thrown down in a pit, part of his house, in jail. And he was, he was believed with, with persecution from the word go. David and the prophets are the same, Jesus especially. And it says in Luke 5.21, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law said to themselves, who does he think he is? Who does Phil and Julie think they are to start a church in Wyoming? We even had some good people say that about us. But God had painted a vision on the canvas of our heart. And he wanted a church just like this one. He wanted a spirit-filled, life-giving church. And we just had to obey. Exodus 3.11 says, 
And Moses said to God, who am I? Phil and Julie said, who are we? That we should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. But with dogged determination, with faith, as Cam said, we went to the Word, we, stuck, we, we, we went to that Bible, and we, we declared, God, if it's you and it is you, we're going to do it. We're going to do what God has called us to do. Basically, start this church with these spiritual dimensions. And this is a bit, little bit of our vision, believing in Jesus. We want people to believe in Jesus. Two, belonging to His family. We want people to be the family of God, not just spectators, not people who just come and just listen to a great sermon and just walk out into their lonely life. Three, becoming His disciples. We want you to be mentored. We want you to be trained up through the Word of God, through other believers. Four, build His kingdom. Yes, we are aware of our shortfallings, our failings, our weaknesses. We certainly are. Who am I, God? And people may see those shortfallings in us. 2 Samuel 7, 18, then King David went in and sat before the Lord. And he said, who am I, sovereign Lord? And what is my people that you have brought us this far? I sometimes say that to God. Lord, who are we that you have given us 11 acres? When there's other churches struggling to get land and they're in rented facilities and who are we that you have given us this spiritual land, this, this geographical land that is symbolic, Lord God, of the inheritance that you have for us? Acts 20, 28, keep watch over yourselves, Jesus would say to me, and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he brought with his own blood. So my job and has been for 18 years is to pray over this flock pray over every single person in this place. I go to the Word. I download from God. In, in I think it's John chapter 26, Jesus says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Yes, we'll feed my lambs. That's the new Christians. Then he says, no, you don't get it. Do you love me? And, and, and Peter says, yes, I do. No, you don't get it. Ten, my sheep. Ten means lead them, look after them, pastor them. And he says, no, you still don't get it. Do you agape me? Do you really love me? Do you passionately do anything, lay down your life? Would you be a lay down lover for me? And Paul, Peter gets really, yes, I will. Then he says, feed my sheep. That's my job, to feed you. Feed you. Because of why? John 18, 37. I'm nearly done. Pilate therefore said unto him, and this could be the enemy speaking to you. The enemy spoke to me like this. Pilate therefore said unto Jesus, Art thou the king then? Art thou the pastor? Art thou the called one? Art thou the called one? Art thou the one who's going to start a business? Art thou the one who's going to be married? Art thou is the one who's going to serve in church and be the leader that God's called you to be? Art thou? Really? Tell me more. Tell me more. See, the enemy speaks to you like that. I know he's spoken to Julian Phil like this, but the Bible says, to this end I was born, and for this cause came I into this world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. For this cause, basically, I was born. We were born for a cause, to be the church. And that is the C3 Tugra version of our vision, that we were born to do what God has called us to do. Mark 10, 19 says, therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. If God has joined you to this church, let no one separate you from that. 
Ecclesiastes 4.9 says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Being joined to a church, contributing to a church, giving to a church, serving the church is awesome because you get a better return. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Partnering with Jesus, partnering with each other, there's a greater reward. Proverbs 16:9. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Lord, you've established our steps. You've given us vision to live. Let's all stand, God bless you. you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3tugra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.